night two of the Cheltenham Festival to be previewed now with my main men from the SBK podcast, Ross Miller, James Millman, Tom Collins. We've already got all seven winners of the Cheltenham Festival from day one. So we'll head into day two. The 1.30 is the Ballymore Novices Hurdles. We run over two mile, five furlong. Again, slightly like the Supreme, it just all revolves around if the Gerhard goes here or not. The betting as it stands suggests he will. He's nine to four favourite. And uh, Jinto, 47 to 10. Dysart Dynamo, you'd imagine, will go to the Supreme if Sir Gerhard goes here. Uh, he's 36 to 5, along with Journey With Me. Stage star, best of the British, according to the betting, is 38 to 5. And Three Stripe Life, 31 to 2. So um, I'll come to Ross, to you first. As, as we were saying, from day one's perspective, this is all about, you know, whether will he, won't we, Sir Gerhard, uh, does he go into this race? But if he does... How do you feel? Do you think that Paul Town Town and tactics wise, it's a very different uh, race for him to to for it, for in his head to pan out, or do you think, like we've heard from James, he's pretty he's pretty bomb proof? Yeah, I, mean, I I like him, and it's, it's as you say, where is he going to go? You think if he comes here, you wouldn't know whether they're coming here because think this suits him better, or because they're desperate to separate them out and they can't see the suiting Dysart Dynamo. That's the issue. I think it might allow him to jump better just going half a gear slower might just help him find the rhythm because he didn't jump all that well last time um he's an Irish point-to-point winner over three miles but never sort of put too much weight on that because they can crawl for the first mile and a half and sprint for the second mile and a half in Ireland so um the pedigree is generally pace but champion bumper winners do tend to to show stamina later on in their career so I wouldn't be against him I can see the logic of it um, but the fact that he, we don't know where he's going to go, I've come down on Manella Kakuna, um, easy to say, um, from the Willie Mullins yard. I was really impressed with him last time. He had them all at it a long way out, and then they closed up, and you fully expected him to fall in a hole, and he quickened away, took four lengths out of them on the home turn at Leopardstown on the bridle. Um, I think he was perhaps coming to the end of his tether over. That was two miles six. I wouldn't be with him if he goes up to three miles, but two and a half miles, I think he's quick enough. And he jumps really, really well. And I think Danny Mullins will keep the ride. I'm, I'm a perfectly big fan of Paul Townend, but I think Danny Mullins is superb, particularly tactically. Um, and I think if he is allowed to get his own fractions in front at a bigger price, I think he's a he's a really interesting contender. So considering he's a shorter prize, it sounds the Albert Bartlett, are you just sort of hopeful rather than confident that he'll actually end up here? I mean, not even hopeful, Jess, you know, it's, it's, it's William Mullins, you know, you just don't know. But I, I would be against him over three miles. He's quite keen. He wears a hood. Um, I couldn't see him having the profile for that race, but I've trained a few less winners than uh, William Mullins, so I'll let him decide. Well, you know, T- on this podcast, TC was was trying his best to tell Dan Skelton what, where and not to go. And I think it's worthwhile sometimes listening. So let's see if Manella Kakuna gets there. As as you said, the hood was interesting. It did help him um, last time, but he's quite a free-going sort. And he's another one of the novice that you wonder whether the atmosphere of Cheltenham just could just get to them. It's always very interesting. Um, James, I feel like I know where you're sitting with this, considering you're sort of just waiting and watching to see again what Willie Mullins will will do. Exactly. And he does like to surprise, doesn't he, Willie Mullins? So I, I'm not going to fire the markets too strongly because nobody knows. Uh, either way, that's it. I'm happy what race he chooses for Sagir Hardy. He's the easier one out of the two, uh, Dice of Dynamo, to swap around. I think Ross actually made a good point 
is he going to run Sir Gerhard in the race that suits him best? Or is he going to shuffle the pack according to what he's got in the yard? Um, I did wonder, um, Sir Gerhard, Rachel Blackmore perhaps could ride him maybe if he went for the Supreme or, or whatever, because obviously Paul Townsend and he can only ride one of them. Um, but whatever race he goes for, I, I'm very, very happy with Sigurd. I haven't really actually looked for an alternative, to be honest, in the value more weather. If he didn't go there, I've got no particular strong conviction about any of the, the rest of the field because the markets for both the Ballymore and the Supreme, it's kind of which one chickens out of the Supreme and ends up going for the Ballymore. It's got a good chance. So, so Gerhard, whichever one he goes for, I'm pretty happy with. Yeah, it definitely looks like the weaker alternative. And if so Gerhard turns up with, at nine to four, I know it's it, we're uncertain, but nine to four, as it sounds, it's definitely going to get shorter if we're come Sunday when we'll at least know uh, the the, uh, the supreme declaration. So it's worth taking that little bit of a risk, especially if you're as confident as James is. But Tom, journey with me, a horse I thought was going to be a lot shorter than than the price he is now earlier on in the season. But it was it was quite a laboured effort last time out. He's obviously got the Henry de Bromhead uh, link in. We've already talked on the on day one podcast. You're hoping he's going to have a, a pretty good day. But this is the horse you had a a lot of faith in, especially earlier on in the season after he won it at Leopardstown over over Christmas. What, what are your thoughts on him now? Yeah, well, immediately um, after the 2021 Cheltenham Festival, I was asked in my former role to put up one horse for 2022, and that horse was Journey With Me. He was around 25 to 1 um, for the Ballymore then. And I received some cop actually on Twitter from people saying, no, he's going to go to the Abbott Bartlett. So I hope those guys aren't anti-post punters. Uh, otherwise, they would have lost their cash. Um, Journey With Me so far this season, he was great first time up, not so great last time. Um, but first time up, he, he beat two sh- sharp sorts in Manila, Crooner and Kilcrut, um, both of whom are grade one novices. Um, last time up, it was more of a, a workman like ground, grinding out the success, but that was good enough for me. Um, I think that was a nice little prep race. Obviously, you'd love them to go and win by 20 lengths on the bridle, but uh, it doesn't always work out that way. Look, I'm scared of Sagerhard, but I'm already on at 25 to one. So why would I tip Sagerhard now? Got to stick with Joni with me. Yeah, well, fair enough. If you're already on him at that price, that's, that's pretty nice. Um, he's a he's a horse by Marla, who I have written an article about in the in the uh, Paul Ferguson guide about the fact that he's never had a Cheltenham Festival winner as a sire, which is quite surprising, uh, coming from the Coolmore big National Hunt band of of uh, of good National Hunt sires, and he is a very good National Hunt sire. Just a Cheltenham Festival winner has passed him by, but. I've got confidence that with him and another horse that we're going to talk about a bit later, American Mike, that that voodoo might be off. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I I thought that he's been given a tough time for that run last time. I think he just had no no choice but to, to just go on on with things under Rachel Blackmore, who uh, who knows how to uh, ride and win this race as he did with Bob Ollinger. And, and I think he's just gone down the Bob Ollinger route, hasn't he? Um, as well, winning the same race that he did um, this time last year, the the one that caught your eye, Tom. So yeah, I'm I'm I wouldn't be too put off journey with me at thirty six to five. But as we've all said, it's all about what happens to Sir Garhard. Um, but we will head on into the two ten, the Brown Advisory Novices Chase. Again, a bit of a what will happen to which horse, where they're going to go. There are plenty of options um, still uh, left undecided. This race is the three mile, half furlong uh, novice chase. The Turners is the other option for plenty of these horses. And Gallop into Champ, it's been, what will he be doing? But reading in between the Willie Mullins preview lines, it looks like he's slightly favoring the Turners over the, the slightly shorter trip. 
uh, although that he possibly could be seen to really good effect over this trip. But brave man's game for Paul Nichols, he's, he's pretty much a certainty to be running here. He's the current 11 to 5 favourite, possibly on the back of, of his words. Ahoy Senor has been confirmed. He's 29 to 5. Long press for Venetia Williams, who's also uncertain. He's 38 to 5. So again, Ross, it leaves us with a uncertainty at this stage. But if Brave Man's game, Gallop into Champ, Ahoy Senor, Long press all turn up, what would you, where, where would you be uh, be picking? Oh, if that happens, I'd be. Oh, that would not be amazing. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. Uh, Galloping Deschamps, I'm just a huge fan of, and I hope he comes here. Um, I think it's going to help his jumping. I'd, I'd be a bit nervous about him going two mile four round Cheltenham. He does just look a bit, a bit brave sometimes, um, and I just wonder going a gear slower whether he might just be, you know, Paul Town might be able to get him into the boards at the first couple and just get him to back off and and settle. Um, so I think if he runs here, I think he'll win this. I think he's superb horse but I like long press I like a hoist in your but he's jumping around Cheltenham I'm just not convinced I mean he's not a clumsy jumper he's a clumsy lander you know he just doesn't get his feet organized on the landing stride so he lands okay and it's that first stride he just seems awkward and cumbersome and if shifting out to his right would be a concern for me so given that we don't know what's going to run and at the head of the market the one that I'm keen on I think will definitely come here and at each way price is Beacon Edge. Um, he did really well to win the Drimmore. I mean, he was out the back of the telly and flew home over two and a half miles. Um, and then was just touched off last time from Fruit de Laine at Navan in the 10 up chase. Um, he was trying to give him seven pounds and he only just failed. Uh, he has good form around Cheltenham in the Stayers hurdle. He'll love the, love the hill. Um, and I think he's a, a, a big price for a horse that's almost certainly going to come to this race, given that we don't know Long press, Galloping Deschamps, you know, where they're going to go. Yeah, 19 to 1 uh, for Beacon Edge. It is, it's it's very tricky at this stage, as, as Ross has said, to, to work it out. It could really be, I just, I can't see what would turn Willie Mullins, Galloping Deschamps, uh, James, he's, he's, he's looked pretty explosive. Can you sort of see from Willie Mullins' mindset why it's, it's been, I know that Willie Mullins just likes to do this, make a decision right at the last minute, but can you see anything sort of swaying him one way or the other for one for the Brown Advisory or the Turners? Um, I agree with Ross, really, and that he'd find it a little bit easier, but I just wish there wasn't a two and a half mile option at the festival. Uh, you imagine how exciting it would be if you're talking about all of these mm-hmm. basically going for the one contest, and if you want to chicken out of it, you're going to go for the Arkle and would make that stronger. For me, it's just diluted the novice chasers just too much um, because, again, we really don't know what's going to happen. I like Lon Press as a horse, though, and I saw him win an Exeter first time of the fences when he had a, a relatively low handicap mark, actually. He was only rated 128 at the time, and the fact Venetia was happy to blow that handicap mark at Ascot in a, a graduation chase, he was the worst in the weights, I think, when he went for that eight-runner contest. He absolutely bolted up. We then saw how good he was at Cheltenham, which I think was key. We've seen him get around the track. Nice uh, bit of course form. And at Sandown, he never came off a bridle. The other horses just fell apart, but he kept on galloping up the hill. Uh, Brave Man's game, I'm concerned. Bob Ollinger made him look slow when he ran at the festival last year. And then he got beat by a hoist and you're at Aintree. He's been perfect over his obstacles this season. Small fields, four, four runner contests. He's never really had that much pressure put to him, perhaps fancy 
Um, never really got him off a brother last time, despite giving him a lot of weight. Grumpy Charlie, the ground was quick enough for him, and he had a bit of an interrupted prep. So while Brave Man's game and the figures produced an absolutely devastating performance to Newbury off that mark of 159, did he have to run to 159 to beat his two rivals? I'm not entirely convinced. Uh, so long press. Wherever Venetia goes, I'll be supporting him, um, even though I strongly respect Gallup and Deschamps. Um, I think in my own mind, Venetia might go wherever Willie doesn't go. Um, so that might help her make her mind up, to be honest. Yeah, I've read a quote saying from her, and I've written out here that says Lompress does look like a three-miler. And if he doesn't go up to three miles this month, you can be sure he'll be hitting it next season, which probably could be this month because avoid Gallopin, the likes of Gall- Gallopin de Champ. She, she might not be one to to go over to, to the likes of Ireland, she could some, something like something next season and, and keep him at, um, at this trip. But he definitely has the ability to, and Brave Man's game has the ability to go either as well, but they're pretty certain this is where he will, he will stay. And uh, I just thought the performance at Newbury was, was pretty masterful considering the, the weight he had to give away. And at Kempton, it wasn't exactly the, the right track for him. I think that he's just a much better uh, jump of a fence than he was of a hurdle. And that's what, and he just wasn't quite the full horse last year. And he really is this season. So I think he's Paul Nichols' best chance of a winner. And at 11 to five, uh, he's uh, he's going to be a lot shorter when they do declare Gallup and Deschamps for the Turners, which I just get the feeling he will do. But maybe Willie Mullins is trying to keep us all uh, guessing. Uh, Tom, what, how, what do you think, uh, Willie Mullins? I mean, it's so impossible. We're going to be like this for the next few days, trying to guess what he's going to do. But where do you where do you feel Gallup will end up seeing Gallup and Deschamps? I completely agree with the guys. I think this is the race for Gallup and Deschamps. Now, he may go to the Turners, but I, I genuinely think he should run in this race. And if he does, he would be my selection, despite short odds. He's looked so good in two starts this year. When he stepped up to three miles at Punchestown last spring, he looked like a different horse compared to what we saw at the Cheltenham Festival. Um, in the Martin Pipe. So I think Gallop and Deschamps will win this race. I have jumping concerns about Hoist, and you're exactly like Ross said. He's very clumsy um, when he lands. Long Press is a horse I saw at Sandown. He's very impressive. He's progressed right up through the ranks, and he's very talented as well. He could be a player in here. I just think Gallop and Deschamps has a little bit more class. And Brave Man's Game, I've had this nutty theory since when he won at Newton Abbott at the start of the season that the third last fence at Cheltenham is going to cause him serious problems just as the race develops. Because he lands so heavy on his front legs, um, and that's obviously coming down the hill, I think he's going to have a bit of an issue at the third last. But, I mean, I could be, could be completely wrong. That's enough just to turn me off him. And even so, I still don't think he's as talented as Galapin de Champ. Um, so it's another one for the Irish, I'm afraid. Well, we'll see. If Galapin de Champ turns up, that completely changes the complexion. I feel like... You know, you've obviously made a, all, all you've both made a big case in running this race. I just, I, from what I keep reading, keep seeing from Willie Mullins, he's uh, he's not going to send him there, guys. But we'll we'll see. Uh, a few more days to, to wait yet, but um, confidence behind Gallop and Deschamps should he listen to should Willie Mullins listen to this podcast, which I'm sure he does. Well, um, one of us so... has got Willie Mullins' phone number, Jess, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of us would not dare ever use that phone number. <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll head on in. You still need to find out about my own horse, and uh, that's hard enough as it stands, but we'll get to that. Um, right, we'll head on into the 250, the Coral Cup, run over two mile, five furlongs, and uh, another completely ludicrous puddle, puzzle to solve, as we saw last year with the 
with the the, the winner being at, at such a big price. But we we've had seen seen some blended, uh, well handicapped horse horses coming into this, and this is one of the races that I felt with the weights. It's so important to have a real look through the the changes and the disparities, the weights of. Uh, for the Irish horses are, are a big indicator of what the what the, what the UK handicapper view them as. And State Man is, is one of them that's got quite a nice mark. He's 13 to 2. He's got some other options as well. Drop the anchors 15 to 2 with good risk at all. St. Felician 17 to 2 with unexpected party and Iron Maximus as well. Um, Ross, as I said, this is one of the races which could, as, as we have discussed, the, the UK handicapper is trying to sort of benefit the English, but actually it's it, it's it's been uh, the irony is that is that we're going to end up with plenty more Irish horses and UK horses making it harder for us because there's a so many of them and b um, they're just rated better so actually it's quite difficult to, to 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 sort of find out and work out whether 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 the best rated horses is if that makes any sense I just I I just really struggled to see how it benefited our own horses so I, I don't know if we I, there is one in there. Uh, from a UK perspective, uh, how did you look at it and, and the weights and how it's how it's changed to look to this race? I mean, that's the issue, isn't it? There's going to be some really uh, nicely handicapped UK horses, and they're just not going to get in. They're not going to make the cut. Um, he's certainly, I think, been harder on the Irish this year. You know, I know last year there's lots of fours and fives, but this year, just look at his stacks that are getting seven pound. I mean, seven pound is a lot even if they have been clever and got themselves well handicapped. Um, so again, I've looked, Tom, Tom will know this one, Don Levant, he's off 142. He's done me well all season. He's run solid races every single time. Um, he does need luck in running, particularly in a big runner Coral Cup. You know, Isabel Williams can have to weave her way through, but she's got much, much better at it. As you would expect with practice, the more she does it, the better she gets. Um, he was pretty unlucky last time at Kempton. He sort of got stuck in a pocket and and rallied home. Two mile five in Cheltenham, I think, will suit him well. Um, and he's off one four two. You know, he's not been harshly dealt with by the handicapper at all this season. Um, and then the other one that is just interesting because he hasn't had any Irish tax applied to him, and I don't know whether he's a likely runner or not, is uh, Colonel Mustard. Um, off 140, he's run really well behind John Bond um, at Ascot. He ran another side race behind Sir Gerhard at Leopardstown, both times looking like he just lacks a bit of tactical speed, but he keeps at it. Um, his pedigree is interesting. McPhee hasn't really done it as a, as a sire, but the few that he has got do tend to have stamina, but the dam was just a, a 10 furlong horse on the flat. So it's a bit of a question mark. Um, I hope they try it. And if they do, I'd be interested in him. But uh, off 140, you know, he's had nothing harshly done to him by the UK handicapper. So I think that makes him of interest. Ross was an absolute 101 shot to put up Don Levant. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> that's another, there's another Zanza call in there as well. Um, but yeah, Don Levant, he ran in this race, it ran in the race last year. And I think Isabel Williams will have a, re, will, will, will have that still fresh in her memory on how he ran. But it definitely is, as you said, is getting, getting to know the horse better and, and, and how to really come late really with him. He's just, it's such a, He's such a classic player. Colonel Mustard, as you said, what the mark say hasn't moved. I can't work out how he's not moved for, um, for getting the closest to Sir Gerhard um, than many others um, have been able to, especially 
some some horses in behind him have gone up in the in the weights. He I'm not necessarily sure if they were actually thinking about um, Cheltenham, but uh, now that they've got their mark, they're probably a little bit uh, more uh, more keen to to give it a go. And um, we shall see if that form with Sir Gerhard and, and John Bond can materialise. He's sixteen to one, perhaps based on the fact that as as Ross has said, he's not moved. He's uh, one forty uh, for this race. Um, Tom, uh, there's a, a friend of yours who won the more battle hurdle. I know he's got the county as an option as well, Cormier. Uh, you imagine he might go for that um, as opposed to the Coral Cup. Yes, I think so. Um, back in 2019, we have a dream, won the more battle, then went to the county hurdle and finished second. So I imagine that's the route for Cormier. That's why I didn't um, include him in my selections for this race. Um, but again, I think it's going to be an Irish winner, Jess. And uh, and so where where what what's the Irish bit of form? Because last year when we hindsight is a brilliant thing because you look at heaven help us. You look at what she had done in the in previously, and uh, she'd been kept fresh. She had good handicap experience. Uh, Leopardstown. That's the kind of route I was sort of looking for. Have you found something like that? Hopefully. Um, I think this is another plot job kind of race. You know, JP McManus with some of his handicap hurdlers, well, most of his handicap hurdlers in Ireland are plotted for one race. Uh, drop the anchor is the selection. And he, throughout his career, hasn't been the most prolific. But when he's won, he's been well back. So I'll be looking to see some money from on the day. Um, last time out, he ran an OK race, despite never being put into the event. Um, to me, it didn't look like they were trying to win. But uh, there you go, he finished fifth in a big field. He entered last year's county hurdle for mark of 146 um, after winning a Leopardstown handicap of 16 pounds higher. And he ran a great race. He finished seventh um, and he was staying on powerfully up the hill. He was only beating just over three lengths, but he bungled the second last and would have been a lot closer if he jumped that fluently um, at a crucial stage that was as well. Uh, he was given so much to do, as I say, over two miles last time. The step up and trip will suit. He's three pound lower than when he ran in the county hurdle 12 months ago. I think he's well treated. This is going to be his target. If he jumps better, then drop the anchors, the one for me. Although this is a race where I'll be having four or five bets before the race, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't I don't blame you. But the the shrewd uh, J. Poot Manners team, they, they love to to get a to win a win in a race like this. And currently 15 to 2. Um, that's probably a reflection on on the connections and uh, looking back at some sort of eye-catching performances, especially at the at Leopardstown last time out. Um, I'll come to you, James, next. As I said, we've talked about weights, we've talked about horses that have been you know, well-treated and that haven't been. Is there anything that caught your eye? The best handicap horse at the festival is good risk at all, but I'm not quite sure he's actually going to get it. Normally, he would have won 37, but he's quite low down on the, the entry stage at the moment. He couldn't have been more impressive when he beat Christopher Wood. The penny finally clicked for him at the fourth attempt they ever hurdles, and he actually got beat all three uh, times previously finished in second he was a very classy bumper horse he's won at the track uh one three seven he's very very well handicapped he's got the martin pipe option as well but i'm not because of that irish tax as uh roscoe likes to use uh he might well miss it which would be a shame he's very well handicapped but he could probably get in the martin pipe if he didn't get in i'd stick with a british horse and that is the skeleton runner who impressed me at ascot as well both of them uh, won nicely at ascot handicaps uh, unexpected party, 53 days before uh, Cheltenham. He travelled like an absolute dream on the inside. And when he asked to go, he went very, very readily. He went up £12. He went up £2 more than good risk at all, which if the two do get in, I'll be with Sam Thomas's horse. But if not, 
Um, Dan Skelton also got a bit of a chance. He had too much to do at Cheltenham back in November when he finished second, but you could see he handled the track quite nicely. I uh, just felt he is a progressive handicapper. And the Skeltons, they've got a cracking record in the Cheltenham handicap hurdles. So um, I wouldn't be ruling him out each way, but I just hope we get to see good risk at all at Cheltenham because he is very well treated. Yeah, he's number 66. Uh, does, and there are plenty of horses are um, a doubly, triply entered even Martin Pipes county hurdles as well. So uh, be, it, it'll be harsh if he, if he wasn't, if he couldn't get in, but it's just, as, as you said, as a result of the way that the, the handicapping system has worked this season. Um, so we'll see if he does. He is 15 to 2, as it stands, unexpected party 17 to 2. I'm going to throw in Iron Maximus in here, who, when I uh, had the opportunity of speaking to Nicky Henderson and interviewing him, he really hadn't thought much about the idea of a of a handicap. He was hoping to, he was thinking of running him in the Ballymore, which he's still priced up for. But I think with uh, the, the rating that he has got um, of 134, it's a pretty nice gift for a horse that I think is a lot better than what he's shown. His second to Hillcrest last time is looking pretty decent. Um, he won a Newbury at Newbury pretty um, impressively uh, in December. And he's the form of that race is working out well. I saw Headlaw, who's fourth win just a couple of days ago, um, in fact, to frank it a little bit. And I just think he's got quite a nice profile for a race like this. So uh, I would hope that they're going to give this a bit of a gamble at 17 to 2 as, as opposed to giving the Ballymore a shot. Um, right, we'll head into the feature race of the, of the day, probably the race of the week, uh, the champion chase at 3.30. Shishkin, Enigamine face each other again. We've had a few ifs and doubts about the form of Enigamine, um, but it sounds like he's okay. I heard from uh, Tony Bloom's racing manager in a podcast that he had a stone bruise, which is not ideal, but he's found now. Shashan Poursois, there's been some big words coming out of uh, Willie Mullins saying that he would want to ride him, but it's all going to be about who Paul Townend chooses to, for the confidence behind uh, the Willie Mullins selection. Nubia Negra for, Paul, uh, for uh, uh, Dan and Harry Skelton, he's uh, an interesting one at 25 to 2. But Shishkin, he's been here, he's done it before at Cheltenham. He he, he's essentially back at the track that will serve him best. It will essentially just be about, you know, how we go out and go and get Nubi Negra beat, um, uh, Nubi Negra, go and get, go out and get Shishkin beat. Tom, um, come to you first on thoughts on how this race will pan out. As we've seen Shishkin and Gamina Ascot, we really enjoyed that spectacle. How do you feel? How do you see this race developing? Well, it's, there's so much speed in the race again with Anergamine, um, Edita de Gietz in there, Captain Guinness can go forward, put the kettle on, can go forward, all mankind still in the entries. There are plenty of horses that want to go forward. There's going to be a strong pace. Who's that going to suit? Shishkin. This race has a very similar um, makeup to the champion hurdle with Honeysuckle being a short price favourite, Shishkin being a short price favourite here. And then you're looking at the other horses. There aren't many each way alternatives, I think, that one, you can be confident on how they're going to um, perform, or two, represent any value. I mean, Anergamine is clearly second best on form. Um, and then after that, you're kind of playing for third if Anergamine runs his race. I just think Shishkin's going to win this race. He's worth putting in combination bet, maybe with Galapan de Champ if he runs, um, or maybe if you want to put it in with uh, with a couple of horses on Tuesday. Um, but he's, 12, he's 11 from 12 in his career. He's unbeaten at Cheltenham. I mean, how can you really take him on? He's the best horse in the race too. Yeah, for me, it's a, it's it's, a, it's a not not really a betting race at all. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy to see how the, it develops. I think Envoyland's interesting at 35 to 1. It's a huge price for a horse that had 
literally the world at his feet only this time last year. And if if it's down to the fact that Henry de Bromhead has just not got the key to him yet and, and, and coming back to two miles will help him, then I think that's a, a nice little bit of each way value. Uh, Ross, how do you feel it will play out? Is it is it a kind of race that you want to get too stuck into from a betting perspective? Not at all. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I entirely understand there'll be plenty of people that think uh, five to six Shishkin is value. Um, I've been around horses long enough to know that I'd want five to six about most of them cantering to the start properly. Um, so it's a watching race. Uh, Chacan Poursois is the interesting angle, not so much in that I can see him winning it, but I think it does just have an extra dimension for Nico to think in that he's not only got to cover an ergamine, he's got to cover Chacon Poursois as well. And I think they'll make the running with Chacon Poursois. And I just wondered whether having tried to gallop the finish out of Shishkin last time at uh, Ascot, whether they would uh, perhaps try and, sorry, it was Kempton, wasn't it? Whether they would perhaps try and sit behind Shishkin and have one run at him at the last. I, th I think it would be futile. Um, Shishkin will have to jump a bit better and I'm sure going left-hand he will do, but I wouldn't just assume it. Um, so the one horse that I thought was interesting, if you wanted to have a bet in the race now, is Nube Negra because he's definitely going to run here. You could possibly end up with a situation where if you back anti-post, you're getting three places about a horse, you know, in a race that perhaps they'll only be paying two places on the day. Um, and it could just end up being a pace collapse. He'll come from off the pace. He'll finish quick. That might uh, be an angle, but it's, it's a race to watch. Make a cup of tea before it, grab another beer, sit and watch it and, uh, and enjoy it. Yeah, um, look, I, I think Nube Negra is interesting because if Harry Skelton could have it again last year, uh, he would do with all the tea in China who would take that race back. Um, and he's and he's and he's said that, but it's a completely different race to the champion chase of last year with Put the Kettle on. It's got much more depth. Uh, Shash and we saw him just unable you know, for plenty of different reasons, he just couldn't turn up at Sandown uh, for the for the Tingle Creek. He was beaten at Cheltenham uh, behind, put the kettle on in Nubia Negra last year. I'd see a lot of negatives with him, James, but uh, I, I like the the Willie Mullins uh, rhetoric and it, and it adds a bit of a, another dimension. They don't want anyone to forget about this, this what they still perceive as a, as, a, as a superstar in their eyes. But I think it's a lot of, a lot of smoke and I can't see the fire actually happening um, because Shishkin, I think it's got, it's got it all covered really. Yeah, well, I felt Paul Tarnan gave Energamine the perfect ride at Ascot and Shishkin still beat him. I, if I was Paul Town and I'd be riding Chuck and Poursois purely because I know that Energamine can't beat him. And, and they do feel that for whatever reason, we've not seen Chuck and Poursois at his best in the UK. And obviously he had one trip over the water and he didn't actually run. He got cast in the box or something happened and he was injured on the morning of the race. Um, so I, I would, if I was Paul, I'd be riding Chuck and Poursois. I don't think Chiskin will get beat. Um Interesting, like Tom says, for the first three, I'm more of Nuba Negra each way in the fact that he sh probably should have won last year. Obviously, it was a much weaker Chairman Chase, but he's coming here fresh. Likes the track. He was good in November when he won at the meeting. And Jacques and Boursois wouldn't surprise me if he disappointed again crossing the water. In Ergamine, it wouldn't surprise me if he disappointed. A, the market was very weak with him earlier on this week. Last time was the first time he ever had a race. He'd always been on the bridle. Nothing had really got him under pressure. And he might not have taken it very well. 
Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Energamine absolutely bombed out. And, and Chiskin had a hard race last time. Look, I think he's he's got an absolutely fantastic chance. He wouldn't be my number one banker of the odds-on favourites at the meeting. But Nubinegra each way, Rossby makes a great point back in, in now because you're definitely going to get three places as there is a chance mm. you're going to get a very small field. But um, for me, a Nubinegra each way is a good angle into a race where Shishkin holds all the aces. Yeah, that's what one thing I was going to say. It could just cut up this. We could get less than eight runners, but um, I think there's about 18 at the moment as it stands, but there's plenty of water to go on the bridge. But Nubinegra at 25 to two, if, if anything, it's not really a betting race for me at all, as I said, but I do think Envoy Alain is the is a, a huge price for the horse that he can be, but it, it is a tentative selection. It's definitely a, a race to watch and enjoy. Uh, the 410, the cross-country chase, again, personally, not a race that I get overexcited from a betting perspective. It's uh, it's always great fun to watch, but, and this race, the storyline about this is all about Tiger Roll. Um, as we know, not going to the Grand National, this will be his last, last race, as we've been told. Um, uh, he will retire after this. It's whether he can come back and and win again. He was just dynamite last year. It it is uh, it was sad that no one was there to to see it. So it would be a lovely story. It would be a lovely aspect of Cheltenham if he can if he can do it again. Um, but it's a it's a race where you know there's plenty there. Younger horses essentially with with better profiles that could upset him. The likes of Prengard in the in the JP Madis colours. And JP Manis has got quite a few um, who will be up against him. And Ross, I don't know a huge amount about them. You might know a little bit more um, in terms of what Tiger Roll will, will have to tackle this time around. I don't think he's got to tackle a huge amount, has he? I mean, Prengard has got a huge reputation. Um, he's unbeaten in cross-country races. Um, I wouldn't worry a jot about his... 18th place finish last time in a two-mile hurdle race. But my understanding is he turned up in Ireland as fat as a house and they're struggling to get him fit, which is why that run was so important. Now, if that run has brought him on enough, um, I think he's a very real danger to, to Tiger Roll. And I just think Tiger Roll is a very short price for a horse that we just, we don't know how good he is because he only ever runs two races a year where he's fully tuned up and, and fully putting his best foot forward. Um, and probably the less said about that, the better. But um, it would be lovely to see Tiger Roll win because he's a grand little horse. Um, Prengard is definitely the danger. Easy Lander, my understanding is he's gone to Jonjo because they've got the pool because he's becoming tricky to train and he just looks completely fed up with it. I mean, again, okay, he's running over hurdles and that's not his thing, but he didn't raise a gallop in two efforts now. Um, so I couldn't have him on my mind at all. But then you look through it and say, okay, what is going to beat them? And they're all 130, 140 horses at best. Um, so it, it, it's a race. It's the one day of the week where I'll do the school run because I can watch I can watch this on my phone stood outside the school gate. Um, I don't need a TV for it. Um, and then, and then I've, I've done my good deed for the week. Yeah, you, you hope this, the, the school run takes a while because this race does, this race, this race can go on a little bit um it's it delta works the fascinating one i know he's 11 to 2 but he is a group for a former grade one savile's chase winner um but he's uh, he's a little bit long in the tooth at this stage which you could probably say the same for a few of them um i just i found it very difficult to assess uh, tom any any big big uh, opinions for this no, nothing big. Um, I like Ross. Don't like the way Tiger Rolls com campaigned. I think he's the horse for the public, but the public aren't allowed to love him because the owners are um, thinking of a word to use that I'm allowed to use. Uh, <laughs> not using him 
the way they should. Um, they should use Tiger Roll by running him in the races that he should be running in, e.g. the Grand National and the Cross Country, and let him run in other races where we can see how good he is. He's 12-year-old now. He's a very short price. I hate all this furore about him. Um, anyway, I won't be punting him here. I won't be having a bet in the race. If I was, it would be shady operator um, for Ender Bulger. He won this race in 2016 with Josie's order, often targets this race, always has a load of runners in here. I don't think he's got very many talented horses in this year's field, albeit the French um, recruit, Prengard, I don't know too much about. Um, but Shady Operator is two from three over uh, in cross-country races, two from three at Punchestown over the banks. Would have won last time, but the ground went against him. The better the ground, the better his chance. He's a reasonable price, whereas Tiger is very short. But again, it's, it's not a race I'm very excited about, Jess. Fair enough. Um, I One question I was going to have to Ross is Diesel Dallier, because Richard Bandy is a trainer that you've talked about in the past on this podcast. He's also uh, come come, o- come over from Emmanuel Cleo in France. He's won around the cross-country course at Cheltenham. He's my selection based on that, really, because I like quite liked his profile. And I just felt that maybe if he wasn't with Richard Bandy, he might be shorter than 16 to 1. What what? What, why, why, why have you not put him up knowing what you know about the, the trainer and, and his French form? You make a good point about horses for courses. And of course, this is unique. Um, but that was the, the handicap version of this. It's a completely different uh, situation now off the level weights that we have here. Um, so it's not for me at all. The one thing I'd say about Delta Work is I can't think of a horse winning this and their first go. And yes, they come in school. But you watched Tiger Roll's first try at this. I think he came in the October or November meeting and he was very sketchy and he'd been over in school twice. So Delta work first run in this level of race wouldn't be for me at all. Yeah, there is a lot of question marks about a few of them, James. I don't, have you uh, have you got any confidence behind anything here? Well, I'd absolutely written him off last year. Tiger Roll, I thought he had no hope whatsoever on the back of that disaster of a run in the Boyne Hurdle, the race he'd won previously. In 2020, uh, Tiger Roll has been announced he's going to be retired after this race. So I think Gordon is going to have him absolutely ace perfect. And the fact that they're going to run Delta Work, I don't think they'd really want Delta Work um, to be that good a chance to defeat Tiger Roll. Um, so I don't expect Delta Work, like Ross says, it's not easy taking to these new unique obstacles for the first time. He might be the future Tiger Roll going forward because he's not quite good enough in, in the open company anymore but um gordon when the weights came out for national gordon didn't seem too non-plus by what weight he got given i think mm. he's actually in still pretty good form it, it is the o'leary's that uh um taking that decision to retire him i think if it was gordon's decision he would be running in a national and yeah. we know he comes good at this time of year easy land uh, ross took the words out of my mouth he has barely raised a canter in in two hurdles for, for john joe o'neill and it's been pretty shocking to to see him that slowly and like I say there's no handicap option for the cross country he's just looked totally unenthusiastic and that's interesting the fact that he's been hard to train over in France and, and that might have been why he's come over to Jack Dawes to use the pool when the facilities available and also I like Ross's little information about uh, Prengard being a, a tad tubby when he um, came over to Ireland because the race looks absolutely set up perfectly for Tiger Roll and in, in a tricky day two I think he could be a, a cracking bet, really, in a race which just lacks that strength and depth. And it doesn't interest a lot of people, but everyone would be delighted if we see Tiger Roll back in a winner's enclosure and going out on a high. 
we'll head on into the Grand Annual. A, another good betting race is always over two miles. Uh, Tom, I'll come to you first. Um, just with that Buddy Rich link to your old friend, third time lucky. As I mentioned in the Tuesday section of this Cheltenham podcast, if Corsa Blind was to run in this race instead of the Arkle, he would be my pick in here. Um, but I'm going to treat it as if he's running in the Arkle and not the Grand Annual. Um, therefore, I've came down on a horse called Embittered, um, who's a bona fide grade one bumper horse and novice hurdler. He finished third in the 2020 county off a mark of 146. And then he fell when going sweetly in this race last year. Now, everyone fancied him last year, punted into 92 favourite, travelling down the back straight, pulling a cart with Rachel Blackmore. Unfortunately, he fell um, before we could see how close he was going to get. Uh, it was too too far out to judge if he was going to win or not. But at that point, you wouldn't want to be on any other horse. Um, he, he's had a very busy autumn, which was perhaps surprising given, you know, you'd suggest that leading connections would want to target a race at the Cheltenham Festival. Um, but he's been... Uh, freshened up since he's won twice this campaign including the grade three at Punchestown. he's probably needed his comeback um recently and he was in the deep end anyway but his mark has dropped right down he's a double figure price i think he's got a great chance in this race he's kind of been overlooked whereas last year he was sent off nine to two favorite so embittered for me or course sublime if he runs in this race uh ross come to you next um anything that massively stood out uh, red rookie would interest me if he gets in but again he should get in but he just couldn't be certain of it. Um, one that will certainly get in, and I think he's been aimed at the race, is Casa Grace Paddy. Um, he was 15 lengths behind Dunvegan at Ferry House last time. Um, I'm not sure he was uh, given the fullest of efforts uh, to get to get closer. Um, and he was giving him £9. Um, so uh, effectively six lengths, £6 inferior. Uh, Buddy Rich, who is the Twitter horse for the Grand Annual, if ever there's been one, um, was beaten seven lengths behind Dunvegan, uh, but he was only getting a pound, and he was getting a pound. So he's about eight pound inferior. Uh, the differential in the price is massive. Um, Sky Pirate won this off 154 last year. Castle Grace Paddy have to do it off 155. But again, he's another one that hasn't had his mark altered. Um, I think he's a, a, a strong player in a, in a very strong race. James, um, this, this is the kind of race that we've been watching these two mile, two and a half mile races at Cheltenham over, over this season where we, we know the UK form, but I suppose we, we, we keep a big eye on the UK form on this podcast, Irish form, how it matches up. But I just thought there were quite a lot of nice UK horses that have kept their own, their own weight. They've not been moved that, that, could, that could perform well here. What, what did you think? Yeah, I was actually intrigued by um, Tom's comment on Embittered because I hadn't really put him into my calculation. I've kept with the British horses. The one I really like is Brave Cheska, but I'm slightly concerned in the fact that at Chepstow on the comeback on the undulating track, he ran an absolute shocker. And it's generally been flat tracks apart from the, the downhill where there's no fences at Warwick. And also he didn't run that well at Carlisle. So if he handles the undulating track, I still think he's where handicapped Phoenicia Williams and he might end up going in the arc anyway. But one we know that handles Cheltenham before midnight, he won the, the handicap in the October meeting very, very nicely for uh, Sam Thomas. He then went on a bit of a, a sequence. He won that Ascot beating the specialist Amuda Gold at that track. And then they set him right up in grade. He wasn't disgraced behind Shishkin, uh, beating 20 lengths in, in the Desert Orchid. And then Fernando Savola, a horse who's very progressive, and I think he's heading towards the champion chase. Um, he ran him to a length off today's marker, 148. Fernando Savola looked well treated on that occasion at Doncaster and he gave him a real race so for me he's overpriced he's neat to angle into the race and I wouldn't rule out Sky Pirates he would have been trained specifically for this contest his runs this year seven seven four four and four have been the number of 
runners in the races. He loves a nice big field to sneak through and he hasn't had that since last year's grand annual win. So he might well run much better despite being fourth and high this time around. I like editor De Geet. Um, I will interesting to see what the, the Gary Moore's decide Gary Moore team decided to do with him because he is in the champion chase, but I don't think he's got a terrible mark still official mark of one, five, three. It's on the higher end, but I think he's, uh, he's, he's definitely, he's a fringe horse. He's definitely could be a, a graded performer, but they, we haven't, we has, he hasn't tried uh, one yet um, this season. Um, although he was a, a good winner of uh, a grade three handicap at Aintree last year. Um, we'll be fascinated to see if Josh Moore gets on board. He was his partner in crime last season and now he's back from injury. The Gary Moore team had just been flying um, I just do really like his profile for this race and he's 11 to one. And the other horse is Amarillo Sky uh, for the for the Tizards. And um, he was back to his very best at Newbury last time out. I don't think that was any fluke. He's up um, considerably in the handicap by another nine pounds. I think he could still be on the right side of a handicapper for a race like this. So he's 11 to one as well. So this is a really good race, really good betting heat this. And I'm looking forward to the grand annual, um, which is the penultimate race of the day at Cheltenham on day two the final race is another one that has been a lot of hype a lot of talk about the champion bumper to be run over two mile and a half a furlong it's all been about the son of Quivega, Fasal Vega who just created a huge impression at Leopardstown at the Dublin Racing Festival last time in the similar style to Kilcrut really um, winning um, winning in such um, by such a distance uh, it's six to five favourites currently. American Mike is 13 to five. Redemption Day is 11 to two. Mercury 17 to two. And I think there's a bit of a um, recency bias for Fasal Vega, hence why the price is so short. I think American Mike is a very, very nice sort. We just have not seen him. He's just gone down the Envoy Land route and Gordon Elliott has just has kept him fresh for this race. But Tom, do you think that Fasal Vega is the real deal? I just can't. A bumper horse coming into this at the price of six to five. I just think I I think it's very very short. Um, as much as he could be the next best thing, it's a, it's a very short price with a horse that's lacked so much experience. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He is a very short price, and this probably isn't a race I'll be punting in. Um, my selection, however, is who I think is the most likely winner, which is Fasal Vega. As I say, I'm not a massive fan of each way punting, especially in a bumper um, where we hardly know anything about any of these horses. It will kind of be a guessing game, you know, if I put up something at a bigger price. My main aim when I look at a bumper is to find the horse who I think is going to be the best bumper horse rather than one, the most ability, or two, the sharpest prospect. You need a horse that's ready to win on the flat, if I was to look at horses who I think have got the most ability, Mercury would be right at the top of my shortlist. But I think he's going to be a much better novice hurdler um, than he is a bumper horse. Vassal Vega at the Dublin Racing Festival was so impressive. Now, I know Kilcrup did exactly the same 12 months ago and was beaten at the Cheltenham Festival, but he was beaten by a good horse um, in Sagerhard. And, and he ran a very nice race. He probably got outdone by the way he was ridden. Um, it would have been very close to the wire otherwise. William Mullins has nine of the top 17 in the, in the market. He's got a huge stranglehold on this race. Uh, trained four of the first five home back in 2018 when Relegate won. I just think it's going to be another Mullins fest and Fasal Vega will be the best of them. James, what do you think in terms of uh, this race, considering I just I just keep thinking about Kilcrutz, the Gerhard from a couple of years ago um, and how Rachel Blackmore timed it so well and, and, in a race which is so unusual for, for the festival. You know, it's a, it, the flat race, it's a play into... Into this, how does Patrick Mullins go out and, and win on Fasal Vega? Yeah, it's interesting because the flat jockeys used to ride in it quite regularly, didn't they? 
uh, Jamie Spencer and Passaro going back along, um, Charlie Swan, Kieran Fallon, etc. Um, used, used to have a good go in it. <laughs> Patrick hasn't always got it right in, in, in the bumper, and I think it's very hard in some ways because there's so many good ones from Willie Munnings. You're not really just narrowing it down to one or two potential runners. There's five or six there that, that might not have shown their true hand when, they, when they've won their race very, very easily. But Fasio Vega looked so good at uh, Dublin Festival last time, the way quick and clear of Sandor Clegane. But against that, they've talked up American Mike as a machine for a long time now, and, and they didn't seem too fussed watching mm. that back. Uh, for me, it's going to be a cracking race to watch. With Kavega's record, um, you'd imagine she might have transferred that to her son at Cheltenham. Um, he's certainly bred to, to win at the track and it needed to look very good last time. I'm in agreement with TC for once. I, I won't be having a bet in this race. And he's my selection, but it's not a not a strong this will win. It's going to be an absolutely cracking race. And, and even in the yard, they do think Redemption Day isn't that far behind Fasil Vega and, and he won pretty easily. And, and Mercury, Tom mentioned the, the breeding as a stallion. Muta here can get some quite decent flat horses as well, never mind jumpers. So He's got plenty of speed. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Um, but yeah, from us, from watching them on the track so far, none of them have really had a hard test. They, they've all won so easily. Uh, American Mike in particular, 17 lengths. We, we don't know what they're going to find when push comes to shove. And, and jockey ship, as you mentioned, could play a key. But I'm looking forward to watching it on, on the finale for day two. Yeah, I've got a lot of faith in American Mike and Jamie Codd, who just waxes lyric about, about, this, about this horse and... As I said, I think recency bias is going to make him a bit of value on the day. He's 13 to 5 as it stands. He is my hope uh, for Marla to finally get his first winner at the Cheltenham Festival, um, being by him. And I, hopefully it will be a good day with Journey with me earlier on. Um, but I'll, Ross, I'll come to you finally. Do you think uh, Fasal Vega is the right uh, Willie Mullins horse that we should be focusing on? No, I think, I think you're spot on with this recency bias. Um, you know, he's, he's clearly got a very good crop of bumper horses this year. But at Christmas, Redemption Day was the one that caught my imagination. I just thought the way he quickened up was quite something. Um, he'll arrive there fresh. He will arrive there with a distinct lack of experience. Um, but he just looked to me like he had a lot of speed and a lot of gears. And, and TC mentions finding a, the best bumper horse. I think he looks like a quicker horse um Faso Vega don't get me wrong looks an awesome horse but he looks like a, a a strong galloping stayer in the making uh, Redemption Day looked quick to me um by probably the only stallion at the moment that can sort of challenge walking the park for the sort of title of rising star in in blue Brazil who's already got a good couple of winners at the Cheltenham Festival um so it'll be interesting to see who Patrick chooses I wouldn't think it's a completely foregone conclusion yet that he rides really? Fasal Vega. I've, I've seen a couple of ways. He's been very quick when talking about Fasal Vega to mention Redemption Day mm -hmm. and a couple of others. Now, maybe he's doing his political bit for the other owners in the yard. Um, but I think Redemption Day is, is as good as Fasal Vega for, for certain. Yeah, you wouldn't mind being Paul Townend um, waiting for uh, Patrick's decision, which is always... A uh, unusual but he was I think he was riding Fasal Vega when, during the, the press day which was quite a, it's always it was just a bit of a hint to me and uh, yeah I think he's got a big soft spot for this horse so we shall see we'll see how um, uh, the jockey bookings are, are really crucial and actually Willie Mullins has said what Paul he's really put a lot of emphasis on what Paul, Paul Townend is, uh, is choosing for a lot of his 
uh, race uh, planning and race decisions. So that's really crucial. Uh, a big week for Paul Townend. Um, but uh, yeah, that uh, it's that's a, a cracker to end the day at uh, at, uh, at Cheltenham. But really looking through a lot of the races on day two, there's could be a bit of a favourites day, and I wouldn't um, would be surprised if something like a Fasal Vega, Shishkin, Tiger Roll. Um, Brave Man's Game, the Gerhard, all five of those coming in, and it'd be a, a bit of a, a favourite stain um, outside of the uh, of the handicaps. But um, we've had a look through day two, uh, and before we get to the naps and our next best, don't forget the offer uh, live on Thursday. Deposit ten pounds with SBK, get fifty pounds in free bets. New customers only, eighteen plus and overs. So a great offer um, ahead of the Cheltenham Festival, ahead of the Naps and Next Best. So we'll come to Ross first. Uh, so the Nap is a, is a weak enough Nap. Uh, the second day is not a day I've got a huge amount of strong fancies, but I think Redemption Day is being widely overlooked uh, amongst all the roar about Fasal Vega. So he's the Nap. And the Next Best is Castle Grace Paddy in the Grand Annual. Well, big price next best uh, for for Ross there. Um, always interesting. Tom Collins. Well, my nap is Galapanda Champ in the Brown Advisory. If he goes there, you seem very confident mm. he's going to the Turners, but uh, I, I think the Brown Advisory is the race for him. If he doesn't run in the Brown Advisory, my nap will be my current next best, which is Journey with Me in the Ballymore. Um, and to post plunge, I really fancy him. Hopefully, Sagerhard doesn't uh, prove to be better. Um, James, in a day which we've said is, is really tricky at best, but also there could be plenty of winning favourites. Um, what, what, what are your naps and, and your next best? Yeah, if, well, Johnny and me stuffed if um, Zagard is in the Ballymore, isn't he, really? But uh, that would be my <laughs> nap at, at, at day one or day two, whoever really sends him. And I think Tiger Roll, I think he's going to be primed for, for the cross country. So he's my next best. I, I just think with Roscoe's comments actually yeah, that that really boosted the confidence because Easy Land and, and, and JP's other horse it's not what you want to be hearing one's a bit fat and one's not moving very well uh, and they were two are potentially the main the main opposition so Tiger Roll 12 year old um, I think he might just bring the house down in the cross country for the next best so for me um, not the most inspiring selections um, Nap will be Shishkin because I think that at Cheltenham will bring out the best in him and he's not really, I get the impression he hasn't been turned a hair since his win in the Clarence House. Um, and I think uh, this is, um, it's just going to be a race for the ages. Let's hope they all turn up. And next best will be American Mike. Really like this horse for the, for the bumper for Gordon Elliott and for Jamie Codd. So that is day two of our SBK Cheltenham Festival previews. We'll be back for day three and for day four. <laughs>